Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 123. Woo. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about how not to get throat punched in the gun store, because you did something stupid, along with uh, firearms ownership and kind of what that entails beyond just, you know, having possession of the gun in your name. Yeah, so so guys, these are, you know, the, we uh, how to not get throat punched falls under the, the, the heading of like gun store etiquette. And this is not like if you want to come in the gun store and you want to debate something or have a conversation around politics, that's all cool. We uh, we are the barbershop to some extent. So it's not really about those kinds of things. It's more about specifically coming and going from the gun store with a gun. Um, I'm going to relay a story from way back in the day, not at Cap City Outfitters, um, but at another facility that I used to, to work with and, and, and ran the retail end of things and whatnot. Um, it, this is a wintertime story. It's dark out. We have really good lighting in the parking lot, and we have really good cameras in the parking lot, especially for the time, circa 2007-2008. I uh, had a customer who was just an angry young dude and full of bad decisions. Um, showed up one evening to come to the store to do something with his AK. Without thinking, grabbed his AK out of his car, walked with it at port arms around the building through three different camera angles, and then walked through the door with an AK at port arms uh, to a rifle pointed at him. Um, He was given verbal commands to drop the weapon. Um, I don't think he actually soiled himself, but he was pretty close. Dropped the weapon on the ground, clattered to the ground, and, and it was literally one of those like mindless things on his part, but his posture was such, his his... His intent, his movement, the way he moved was with a purpose and with a rifle at port arms after dark walking into a gun store. Um, He wasn't real happy with the way things worked out. I was super happy that he dropped the gun and I didn't have to dome him. Um, But there's a little bit of how you behave with a weapon, body posture, things of that nature, um, that can get you shot. Uh, So uh, we'll we'll segue. Justifiably so. Yeah, justifiably so. by the way, AK did have a magazine in it, but as every person ever says when they have a magazine in a gun, oh, it's unloaded, it's an empty mag, or there's nothing in the chamber, or this, or that. So it's one of those things where this is more than just, hey, it makes us uncomfortable, or it hits me in the feels, or, or we're trying to be, you know, we're trying to make fun of somebody or something like that. It's not actually about that. Um, it, it's, it's literally about keeping you alive by helping you to make better decisions by giving you good information. Cause these are all training things. This is yeah. not, not everybody knows the rules. Not everybody knows proper etiquette. Not everybody knows these courtesies. And there's a big difference between somebody walking with a gun, a long gun with a magazine in it, obviously at port arms, like they're ready to go do work with a purpose versus somebody having a gun with an action open, holding it in what would presumably be their weak hand, muzzle pointed down, no magazine in the weapon, etc. That person doesn't seem like a threat. Honestly, even to a novice, even to somebody who doesn't know guns, because you're not walking with your both hands on the gun looking like you're ready to use it. You're walking like you're carrying a shovel from your garage to your garden. Whole different mentality. So some of the gun store etiquette where I wear a talk, we're to cover real quick, and how to not get shot or how to not get throat punched leads us directly to a recent event. Uh, had a young man come in the store, really nice guy, young dude, um, new to guns, new to this stuff, uh, very curious, wants to learn, um, but but just doesn't understand the rules. Um, showed up at the store and, and, and had a firearm, and unfortunately it was a handgun, um, out of convenience, had it jammed in his pocket. Um, 
walked to, into the store. Uh, our, our, our local uh, tactical silverback uh, was in the store with us that day as a customer, as a guest visiting. Um, and, and, and the gentleman came in the store and said, hey, you know, you got a gun in your pocket there. Hey, let's get. And, and so in, in a desire to get the gun out and show us that it was unloaded, gun had a magazine in the, in the, in the grip, empty magazine, but we didn't know that. Um, chamber, the slide was closed. It wasn't locked open. So nobody could see that the gun was unloaded. He knew it was unloaded. He was very comfortable with that aspect of it, but we weren't because we couldn't see it. So he, he removed the gun from his pocket and he did so very daintily. It wasn't like I'm grabbing the gun and yanking it out of the holster. I'm going to skin my smoke wagon kind of touch. It was a, I'm going to put my thumb and a couple fingers on it and pulled it out like the queen of England's holding a cup of tea. And, and that's cool because that's that body language that's non-threatening but he still managed to muzzle himself and three other people in this action. Um, I, I felt like I handled that very courteously. I didn't, you know, there was no yelling because I don't want to, I don't want to upset somebody who's or, new to guns or cause them to flinch. Or ca yeah. Or cause them to overreact or do something like that or scare them and have them drop it or, or Lord knows what, you know, but it, it, you know, we, we, so we took a moment to kind of talk about gun store etiquette. It's just one of those things that's probably bears repeating occasionally. Um, Almost all things of confusion in the store that lead to people being very, very nervous or upset about having guns pointed at them um, come down to could be solved simply by having the gun cased up, um, unloaded, cased up, and brought in. But even if it's cased up, if it's not, even if it's loaded in a case, nobody's touching the trigger, nobody's firing the gun. And then when you bring the gun and say, hey, you know, bringing this in to do whatever with it, and generally we'd like to take possession of that case real quick. Un, uh, open it up and unload it and check it for you. And, and a lot of things, it comes down to the idea that, that what you think is safe versus what I think is safe and your comfort level with your gun handling versus your comfort level with my gun handling, etc., may not all be the same. So what I want to do is I just want to open that. I want to uncase that gun. I want to want to remove a magazine if there's a magazine in it. And then I want to lock the action open and confirm that it's empty. Um, and, and the reason why those of us in the gun industry are so skittish um, is, is not because you personally, as, as the listener, are, you know, it's not because you're dumb or you don't know what you're doing. It's because in general, the public at large may not understand the etiquette or understand the same definitions that we all have. Um, an unloaded gun does not mean, oh, it, oh, the magazine's loaded, but the chamber's empty, so it's unloaded. It's called condition three. Yeah, that's called condition three or cruiser ready or depending on what, you know, what, you know, branch or what your history is. Um, it, it's, it's basically to just try and remove as much confusion as possible. So in general, what we'd like to see is a, is a locked open action, no magazine in the gun in a closed case when you walk through the door and then we can inspect it and go from there. But if the gun's in a case, we can work with that too. If you don't have a case for the gun or it's a new long gun, um, and it came with a cardboard box and you're not comfortable dragging it around in a cardboard box. Um, that's cool. You can lock the action open to that gun. You can put an open and empty chamber indicator in it, or, or honestly, you can drop a piece of brightly colored rope or paracord, you know, through it, um, a zip tie through the action, any number of things like you see at the gun show. There's a lot of different ways to indicate that, Hey, the action's open, the guns, you know, not, not usable at this point in time. Um, so if you do have a long gun that you need to do that with, even if it would just be simply locking the action open and then walking in with the gun, one hand um, with the muzzle pointed down at the ground or muzzle pointed straight up in the air, whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to get excited about that. We'll talk about choppers and boats later. Um, but that kind of mentality where your body language, your posture doesn't say, I'm walking in this place to smoke somebody. 
um, you know, old Joe found this woman cheating. He's going to shoot a man down kind of thing. There's a song there somewhere. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hendrix. Anyway. Um, hey, Joe, where you going that kind? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, it, it just a little bit of gun store etiquette, just because it's something that popped up. Um, and I would ask you, as, as most of you, most of our listeners, most of the most folks who tune into this are experienced folks, if you see something like this happen, whether it's on a shooting range or at a gun store or whatever, it, it is your personal safety that's involved if somebody's mishandling a weapon. And if the guy behind the counter is not willing to speak up um, and, and do some corrective action or some training there, um, you know, and, it, and again, it doesn't need to be your drill sergeant dressing you down. It, it needs to be a calm, collected, reasoned conversation because I don't want to startle somebody who may have little to no experience with that weapon, especially not knowing the condition of the weapon. It's not about their intent. It's about the accident that might happen. So, you know, as the experienced person out there, you know, if you see something like that on the range or, or in a store or whatever, don't be afraid to speak up. Um, if you're in our store and you're newer to guns and you make that mistake, uh, again, nobody in here is going to scream and yell at your good drill sergeant on you, but we're going to have that conversation and try and educate you. The gentleman that this happened with um, was very receptive to the counseling. Um, and th th he actually came back later that day to finish the transaction um, and brought the gun encased. And so stepped up his game, learned from it, etc. And that's the goal is, is purely safety, is to keep everybody safe in the gun store. Um, you know, so there's just some pointers, cased guns, open actions, etc., um, you know, loaded magazine is a loaded gun. If you could carry it in something safe, that would be great. Uh, jamming it in your trousers or jamming it in your pocket, probably not the best thing to do, again, even with an unloaded gun, because rule number one, all guns are always loaded, right? Yeah. So just that kind of mentality. And, and again, we're not saying this to beat on anybody. We're saying this because we'd like, if you're, again, an experienced firearms person, be that person that's willing to speak up and say, hey, not... Hey, you idiot! Don't do that. More, more along the lines of, "Hey, I need you to do this." Um, let's not talk about the negatives. Let's talk about what we actually want out of somebody, behavior-wise, and help them get better and be safer. That's kind of the goal of this. I, I don't want this to come off as a rant. I want this to come off as a teachable moment, uh, because it's not a rant. It's just an opportunity to talk about helping somebody get a little bit better at what they're doing, and that's what we're going for. Yep. Yeah. So cool, cool. Um, uh, along with this, well, when in kind of stepping to the next step outside of the gun store, talking about ownership, firearms ownership, logistics, and responsibilities is obviously just a massive, massive topic. Um, you know, we, we everybody we have a lot of Second Amendment guys who thump their chest about their their rights to to possess a gun. Uh, I I don't see Second Amendment rights, um, unlike some of our current legislators and current politicians. Um, I don't see Second Amendment rights as something that should be limited in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, All mail, the way mail, up to... Mail order, short-barreled, suppressed, no offense. Amen. Uh, of literally, literally all the above. If it is a if it is a, a single soldier, serviceable, usable item, not a crew served, but single... And, and, and I think there's a debate around crew served too, um, but that I'll leave that open. But if, if it's a single soldier intended weapon, um, I don't think it should be limited. I think the Constitution says pretty clearly shall not be infringed. Um, so, so, but we talk about responsibilities along with the rights aspect of this, and there's obviously this overarching responsibility to know how to use your tools effectively and safely, um, but also on the logistics and the things to know how to store them effectively and safely too. Uh, one of the things we've had a lot of new gun folks, a new, a lot of new folks come into the fold, a lot of new non-gun folks buy guns in the last year, 
um, you know, something like nine or 10 million industry wide in the last year are estimated to be non gun owners buying their first gun. And a lot of these folks actually very pleasantly um, are interested in additional training. They want to learn how to use the gun. They want to get as much training as they can in the gun store, which doesn't always work out well. Um, because the gun store is not the place to do gun training for a number of reasons. First, of, first among them might be that the guy behind the counter may not know what he's talking about and shouldn't be training anybody. Um, you know, that happens. Absolutely. Uh, but then second among them is this. It, it's not the right environment from a safety perspective, too. You should be learning how to use your gun in a safe um, in, a, in, an, in an environment where weapons and ammo are, are separate and sequestered, there's no ammo present, or on a shooting range where you can actually handle the gun properly as long as it's pointed down range, and if something bad does happen, the bullet goes into a backstop or something like that, it's contained. Um, but, but the responsibility in that is to learn how to use the gun properly and understand when it's appropriate to either show somebody, brandish the weapon, point the gun at somebody, point the gun at something, take the gun out of its holster or whatever in the right place at the right time, learning a little bit of those. But the logistics into that too, we're, we're, you know, we've got a lot of folks who have purchased weapons from us. And if you've got a question about an accessory, especially, you know, we want to talk to you about, you know, keeping that thing up and running, keeping batteries and optics and flashlights and stuff like that. Um, but also the understanding that the logistics end of it, you know, if you, you bought something with, a, a, with the beams, you know, a laser on it or something like that, um, or, or you left a light on on something that a uh, part of the game is, you know, having spare batteries around and things of those natures. We, we've run into a lot of folks with accessories where they, you know, when you when you have a problem with your computer and you call customer service and they say, well, is it plugged in? Is are all the cords attached firmly and properly? Um, there's there's a form out there, you know, that IT guys will joke about called an ID10T. Oh, I need you to fill out this ID10T and we'll come take a look at your computer. Ah, you've got an air gap in your power source, <laughs> meaning it's not plugged in. Or you've got an air gap in your comms uh, funnel, you know, which would be a wire running from your monitor back to the actual hard drive or something like that. Um, there's a little bit of that with firearms too. If you, you know, all, almost all the devices that we sell that go along with the guns come with manuals and things of that nature. So if you're one of the experienced folks who knows about this, it's probably is less directed at you. But again, we would ask you as the experienced guy, if you've got, if you're somebody's rabbi who knows more about guns than they do, and they're having issues with equipment and stuff like that, it is a little bit of that education around, it's a system and you need to maintain it. Um, we drive cars every day and we put gas in them on a pretty regular basis. Um, but, but additionally, with that, every, you know, maybe six months or 5,000 or 7,500 miles, we, we should have the oil changed and we should have some things checked out, air filters, things of that nature. We should be checking tire pressures probably on a every month basis or something like that to make yeah. sure they're appropriately aired up for the replacing season. Replacing tires. Replacing tires, absolutely. And if you drive replacing like... Replacing batteries yeah, every few years. Yeah, you know, things of that nature. Um, and, and with a lot of this stuff, if you, there's a little bit of that, you know, mentality around, oh, well, I've got, you know, my, my new Beamer and for 36 months, everything's covered. Uh, unfortunately the weapon systems aren't really like that. And while a lot of the like optics and things of nature out there, um, will run nearly indefinitely, it feels like it sometimes, you know, you can get a lot four and five years out of batteries on optics. Um, there's, there is a maintenance schedule with that stuff. So if, if you're somebody's rabbi, help them to understand that, like anything else, having spare batteries around and, and maybe maybe upping that replacement schedule. For example, Trijicon MRO has a five-year battery life. I replace the batteries every year, no matter what, because they're cheap. It's a watch battery. It costs me about $4. And even though I know it's nowhere near the end of its service life, I also am kind of 
covering my butt a little bit by replacing it every year and knowing it's going to work. So the logistics and the things that comes in, you know, that's, that's on the owner of the gun. Um, we've, we've had a few folks buy devices, you know, they brought in and they're like, oh, it doesn't work anymore. I'm like, have you put new batteries in it? Well, but I just bought it six months ago. Yeah, but if you left it in the case turned on on accident and you have a soft case for your turned on on high especially yeah, turned on, you know, and 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 you're and it's drained the battery out, that's that's kind of on you. That's kind of a maintenance thing there and and we'll help you get there if we've got the right batteries and stuff like that. Um but but we, you know, it's it's part of that educational process understanding that having spare batteries in the case with the gun will prevent a lot of heartburn if you go to the range to shoot and you you know, you you want to shoot but you find out the battery on your optics dead and that's frustrating. Or different things of that nature. Um, the the logistics responsibility, for example, for me, with I, I've got a few different rifles that I train with primarily, um, short, medium, and long would kind of be the mentality. All in five five six. I have a small bag, a Magpul DACA pouch, that has a right in the rain notebook that I have my zero noted in with date, temperature, relative humidity, kind of ish, and those kind of things. So I know when it was zeroed, what distance it was zeroed, with what ammo it was zeroed. Um, and then along with that same bag, if I've got specific optics that have specific tools or specific lights with specific tools, I put those tools in that bag and have it at the range with me to include a front sight tool if it's an AR, uh, a sight tool if it's an AK, different things of that nature. But that logistics game um, and keeping those things rocking and rolling is, is going to be up to you. That's part of the responsibility of owning the gun. And so, you know, if, if you, if you want to have a conversation around those things, we'd love to talk to you about, hey... Here are some things you should have for the gun that don't cost $500, but you should have them for the gun and have them with you at all times just in case. And then if the world does melt down, you've got the tools and the systems in place to maintain that weapon and keep it operating for an extended period of time. Anything you want to throw out and add to that? Um, yeah, so especially when we start talking about like optics, flashlights, and stuff like st yeah. those kinds of things, um, especially over the last year as supply chains and whatnot have been constrained a lot yes. of the manufacturers have been doing inline updates um so your gen one of the same thing may Hell, not well, hellcat hellcat optics mounts we've already yeah. run into that a few times um springfield changed their mounting system on the hellcat and the optics that would originally work on it won't go directly on it now you need to buy an optic interface because they went to their optic and they changed the gun yeah. Yeah. There's an example. Um, so Sorry. things like switches, um, the way batteries install. Um, for instance, Holosun does, you know, like eight different versions of a 503. Yep. Um, depending on what version you have determines what battery you use, where the battery gets installed, where the switches are at. Yep. Um, so do save the manuals um, when you buy the accessories. Um, keep them with that particular gun optics combination. Um, take the time to read them um, and then realize that, you know, again, manufacturers are doing inline updates. Um, things are changing. A lot of times these changes are not published. Yeah. And even on the boxes, um, you know, it's very, it's very hard to tell when things have been updated, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So just be patient. Um, if you got, you know, your, your rabbi, he's like, oh, I'm a gun guy. Well, you know, the thing he's been using for five years might not be di might not be the same yeah. as the thing you just got. Um, or if you're the gun guy, um, realize that the thing that you've been running for five years um, may not be what somebody, what your friend um, just picked up. Yeah, and and the and unfortunately, the technical data around it, the 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 manuals and things like that may not be updated. 
you may have an old manual on a new optic or you may, you know, yeah. those different things too. That does happen. And by all means, if you're running into something that's, that's confounding you, again, we want to have a conversation with you about that. Um, and to some extent, whether we sold you the product or not, if you're putting it on a gun, we sold you, but you didn't buy the optic from us. If it needs squared away, let's talk and let's see if we can help you figure it out. Um, if we sold it to you for sure, we want to make sure that we get you squared away with something that came from us. And if the technical data around that is, is out of date or incorrect, <clears throat> for the most part, the manufacturers want you to have current information. And if you get a hold of them, they will correct that. That, that corrective yeah. action is what keeps them from getting sued quite so easily. So, you know, understand that there's, there are solutions to these problems. Um, and so if we think something's out of date or out of line, please talk to us, please talk to the manufacturer, please talk to us, let's get it worked out. Because let's face it, these are tools that you someday may stake your life or your family's life on or somebody else's life on. So let's make sure we get you squared away in that regard. Um, Brian, you mentioned a buddy throwing out bad advice, which I think is um, honestly a pretty good segue. So your buddy who's giving you advice, um, intention, not intentionally, more than likely, you never know with some of our friends. Um, maybe what's referred to in military nomenclature as a blue falcon. Um, those of you who know what a blue falcon is, awesome. Those of you who don't, there may be kids in the background, so I'm not going to use the actual nomenclature. Um, Bravo Foxtrot, blue falcon, same, same. Um, so you Google it, you'll figure out what it means. Uh, but generally, it's a friend who's not being very friendly at that point in time. Um, so... And, and when we say this, we, again, it's not with intent that your buddy's giving you bad advice generally, but not always. Depends on your buddy. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Blue Falcon advice comes in, you know, a couple of different, you know, general advice. Um, yeah, you should see how fast this thing will go when we get out on the highway um, is a great example of bad advice. Um, you know, the, the well, I don't think your wife would be that mad. You should probably buy that gun. You know, I'd go ahead and get it anyway. You know, That's ask Ask forgiveness, not not permission. Um, that's good advice. Those good about? advice in the gun store, but that's that's blue falcon type of advice by by way of example in general. Um, we we oftentimes get blue falcon advice under the heading of legal uh, advice, um, and and we without getting into names or specifics, um, you know we we all have that friend. Um, well, we have a friend. I won't say we all have that friend because this friend's pretty unique. God bless him. Um, who just, if there's, if there's an encounter, by God, I'm going to escalate the hell out of it right now. Um, giving somebody the advice to say, hey, you don't want to live, if you look like prey, you will be eaten, um, is generally bad legal advice. Uh, you know, so if you're out there on the training range and, and somebody says, hey, man, you want to step this up because you want to show them you're in a power position of strength and power so they know not to mess with you. Um, is generally pretty bad legal advice. Might be decent life advice and it may be realistic, um, but pushing the fight to start the fight because it's coming anyway, probably bad advice, that kind of mentality. Um, we see it around a lot of other things too, uh, around wanting to buy uh, bullets that won't kill people. I want the bullets that won't kill anybody. Um, somebody at some point has, has convinced somebody that there are bullets out there that don't kill people. Um, that, that was advice at some point. Somebody gave somebody. Um, the just buy the little lady a snubby. Um, advice is again horrible advice. Let's talk about auto pistols over revolvers. Um, you know, recoil, ammo capacity, poor sights, uh, difficult to manage triggers, etc. Um, you know, all those different things. And so, it, it, I guess it comes down to defining who's an expert and what level of expertise you're you're comfortable with. And there's always going to be that again. If you're the 
this is more geared toward you listening as an expert or or as being more expert than your than your new buddy, than your novice buddy, than your your brand new to the gun game buddy, um, being that good rabbi and and giving advice up to your level of knowledge, your level of training, and the things that you're comfortable with versus necessarily just giving overreaching advice about things you really don't have a background with. Um, we, we've got a number of law, a number of customers here locally that are law enforcement guys, um, some at a, at, a, at a fairly high tactical level that come in the store on a regular basis. I'm not giving that guy advice on how he should breach a structure. Um, I'm not giving that guy advice on whether to bunker up or run the shield with a gun. I'm not giving that guy advice on where to park the Bearcat. I'm not giving that guy advice on whether or not he should be wearing UF Pros or Cries. Um, because my advice is irrelevant on that to somebody who has a, a significantly greater degree of technical knowledge and experience than I have. So, so understanding that. If it's something where your buddy's asking you about what kind of gun, and you say, well, I have XYZ gun, and this is what I use, here's why, that's not necessarily bad advice. That's an example of what you did and the why of it. Um, telling somebody that, you know, uh, that the newest, greatest blaster is XYZ, and you should go buy... Uh, a staccato because they're all over the internet right now and that's what all the cool guys are running. Um, it's not that the staccato is not a good gun. Is it a novice's gun? Is it the, is it the best gun for a new shooter? Is it, is it the best option in general or is it just really sexy? And because it's ex stupid expensive, it must be better. And that's not to pick on guys running staccatos. There's some dudes out there who could burn it down with it. The, the guys who could burn it down with a staccato can burn it down with a Glock. So, like, I'm not picking on Vinny. I'm not picking on somebody like that who shoots really, really freaking well with anything you put in their hands. I'm picking on the dude who goes out and buys it because that's the same guy who buys a new set of irons every year to play golf with but won't go take a lesson. So there's a little bit of that, you know, who's your expert, who are your rabbis, who are you listening to? Um, but, again, this is more geared toward the rabbi and, and helping you maybe with the idea of staying in your lane as the rabbi and giving good advice. Um, if it's out of your lane, tell somebody, Hey, you should go get training. If it's, if it's something that you're pretty comfortable with, great, but please evaluate whether or not you should be comfortable with it before you run off with giving advice on something that you really realistically don't have a lot of experience with. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, cool. Anything yeah. you want to add um, to that? Yeah. Generally, you know, you're going to get more respect by, especially this goes on the, on the rabbi side of things. Yeah. You'll get a lot more respect by acknowledging your limitations and knowledge and expertise yeah than by trying to bluff your way through stuff you don't know anything about yeah um, and that's you know long-term respect from your friends and whatnot yep and your peers that you shoot with etc um if you're the guy behind the counter playing rabbi please understand that there are customers out there that will come in and ask you questions about things um technical things that they may know a whole lot more about than you do they just may not tell you that and you will end up looking like a raging dipshit trying to give a duck hunter or turkey hunter advice on the best duck hunting, turkey hunting gun, um, especially when you don't know anything about it. So that kind of falls into the studying of, uh, head, heading of stay in your lane. Um, if you're behind the counter at a gun store, definitely stay in your lane because you will, if you don't have customers who know more about something than you, you need to get better customers. Yeah. So we have awesome customers. Um, trying to bullshit our customers, you will get, you will get made, you will get put in your place really quickly. It's kind of fun to watch actually. So Cool. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, on that note, when we get new guns and things in, uh, we post them up to our social media. 
that's on Instagram and Facebook. Search for us at we are Cap City Outfitters on both of those platforms. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week. Uh, comes out on Fridays. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We will add you to the newsletter list. On our website, you can find valuable information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Um, lastly, we're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Um, we are open 10 to 5 Tuesday through Saturday, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you tuning in.